The Productive Woman, Episode 271. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're continuing our recurring productive reading series, this time talking about some lessons I picked up from a book published this year by Maura Thomas called Attention Management. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 271. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander and by the University of California, Irvine's Division of Continuing Education. If you're pursuing goals that involve professional development, be sure to check out the special offer from UCI's Division of Continuing Education. Visit ce.uci.edu slash productive woman and enter the promo code TPW for 15% off one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash productive woman. And the promo code is TPW to get 15% off one course. Uh, Be sure to check that out. I'll share a little more about them later on. Also, don't forget our sponsor, Text Expander. You can unlock your productivity with Text Expander. You don't need to reinvent common email and message replies, for instance, every time you need them. You can store them in Text Expander instead. And that lets you just type a couple of keystrokes and it expands into whatever amount of text you've saved there. I use it for things as simple as email addresses and phone numbers and my bar numbers, uh, all the way up to several paragraphs of fully formatted text. There's so much that Text Expander can do. I can't uh, tell you all of it in just a couple of minutes here, but it's so worth checking out. It's one of those productivity tools that I put, it's the first thing I put on any new device that I get. I use it many, many times every day. And Text Expander is not only good, great for your personal productivity, but it can be great for your business as well, or your other organization teams. Text Expander for Teams makes it easy to manage and share snippets for your entire organization. And you can use your snippets anywhere you type. So Slack, Trello, Google Docs, web browsers, Word, uh, emails, any, any place you frequently type the same things. It's available for Mac OS, for Windows, for Chrome, for iPhone and iPad. And as I said, it's simply indispensable for me. It's something I use so many times a day in my work at the computer and on my phone. You can learn more by visiting textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know I sent you and you'll get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year of this indispensable productivity tool. 
All right, so now let's get into our topic. This, as I said, we are continuing our productive reading recurring series. And if you're new to the podcast, we've, we do this periodically. I will share some key takeaways and, and important learnings from a book that I've read that's relevant to the community. So back in episode 133, I talked about lessons from Gary Keller's The One Thing, which is a great book. Another excellent book is The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg which we discussed in episode 147. Episode 166 focused on three of the books written by Brene Brown. Episode 182, we looked at the lessons I've picked up from one of my favorite productivity books, Soulful Simplicity, written by Courtney Carver, a a prior guest of the show. Episode 211, we looked at The Free Time Formula, written by Jeff Sanders, In episode 230, we looked at uh, James Clear's excellent book called Atomic Habits. And finally, in episode 250, we looked at Michael Hyatt's book, Free to Focus. This time, we're going to be talking about another book with similar themes to Hyatt's book, as I'm sharing some of my most important takeaways from Attention Management by Maura Neville Thomas. So before we get into the the takeaways from the book, I thought I wanted to share a little bit about who Maura Thomas is. She's a new author to me, uh, and the back cover copy of her book says that she is an award-winning international speaker, trainer, and author on individual and corporate productivity and work-life balance. And it says she is the most widely cited authority on attention management. She has trained tens of thousands of individuals at thousands of organizations on her proprietary empowered productivity system, which is a process she's developed for helping people achieve significant results and live a life of choice, which I like that. Uh, Some of Maura's clients include Dell, Old Navy, the United States Army, and L'Oreal, the the cosmetics corporation. She's been featured in a variety of national business outlets, including uh, publications such as the Wall Street Journal, NPR, Entrepreneur, and the Harvard Business Review. She earned her MBA from the University of Massachusetts and has studied productivity for over 20 years. And as I said, she's a new author to me. Why did I read the book? Well, a copy was sent to me. She was sort of introduced to me via email and offered to send me a copy of the book. And I was intrigued by the title. And so I said, yeah, I'd like to read that for reasons that I'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, So the book is called Attention Management. And the subtitle, which also intrigued me, was is How to Create Success and Gain Productivity Every Day. And it's a a great little book, one that I enjoyed enough to want to share some takeaways with you because I thought it was really relevant, especially given some of the things we've been talking about on recent episodes. So the first thing that I note uh, in the book, and, and this, she picks this up right from the very beginning as she's talking about the, uh, the whole productivity world and the, the space that we're in here, uh, the distinction between time management and attention management. And her position is that most productivity teaching, and I agree with this, focuses on techniques for time management. She thinks that's not the issue we should be focusing on. She says, and I'm quoting here, time is not our problem. 
as we all have the same 24 hours in a day, and we can't control time. And I thought that's, you know, it's such a great point. We talk about time management, but we, we have no control over time, it ticks along one, you know, a second at a time, we all get the same 24 hours. So time isn't the issue, according to her, and I tend to agree with her. And I think it's key to think about this, not, not because we should be comparing ourselves to others, but think about this, if we feel like the reason we accomplish less than maybe some other people we know is because we have less time, we really need to ponder the statement she just made in the book. We all have the same 24 hours in every day. It's what we do with them. And that has not changed the fact that we all have 24 hours in a day. She goes on to say our problem, so the modern problem that that we're dealing with in terms of being productive, she says, our problem now is one of distraction from our ever-present technology and its ability to deliver communication and information to us in unlimited ways all the time. This, in turn, has created expectations of immediate and constant availability, further fueling our need to stay connected and therefore our constant distraction." reading this really caught my attention uh, as I was going through the book, because I feel this need to be constantly available as a lawyer and in, in the various roles that I play. And that's what she's talking about. This technology has made it possible for us to communicate instantaneously and to receive information, good, bad, or indifferent, instantaneously, all the time, 24-7. And that has created these sort of expectations that we're always going to be available to anybody who wants us. And what she goes on to say then is, since, and I'm quoting here again from the book, since distraction is our problem, time management is not the solution. The antidote to distraction is attention. Our ability to manage our attention is our most important defense against a world that is constantly conspiring to steal it. And that, to me, that's a wow. That is such a profound statement of truth. Everything around us seems to be conspiring to constantly be grabbing at our attention. And the only defense we have against it is to develop the skill of managing our attention on purpose. So that this is like from the beginning of the book, and I thought it was so profound and so good and really got me, sucked me into the book. She goes on to talk some more about the assault on our attention and how key attention is to living meaningful lives. She says, attention is our most valuable commodity. And she also says, To live the lives we really want to live, what we actually need to master is managing our attention. Um, Again, so true. So it's not about managing our time. It's managing our attention, what we are paying attention to at any given moment. She says, we're now in a new world, a world that is never off a world where there will always be more work, streaming, or socializing, we can instantly access to fill our time. And that is true. As I was just saying, it's something I've been so aware of lately, how there really is, uh, the, nothing ever shuts down. And a- any given moment, there can be so many things trying to 
pull our attention away from whatever it is we're focused on at the time. In the book, she talks about the technology that helps us in our personal and professional lives, the the computers and the tablets and the smartphones, but notes that, and I'm quoting here, those devices and the content we view on them are intentionally designed to steal your attention. The job of the internet, she says, is to keep you on the internet. And again, so true. All those devices we have have built in alerts and dings and pings and things that'll pop up on the screen. And they almost all come with those um, activated as the default status. So if you don't want to get all those pings and dings and alerts and things, you have to intentionally go in and turn them off. Those, all those things and the articles and the way they're written and the headlines that they use, everything is designed on purpose to take our attention. The job of the internet, she, as she says, is to keep us on the internet. And she looks in the book at the ways the internet and our connected devices use a scientific understanding of the way our brain works to keep us virtually addicted to them. And she looks at the negative impact. So it's, it was interesting to look at the summary. This is a a pretty short book, but I love the way she kind of summarizes the way these devices are built on the science of how our brain works uh, and are designed to addict us. Some of the negative impacts that she talks about um, for for instance, she says, when you change what you're doing in response to every incoming distraction, you never get the quiet, uninterrupted time you need to get in flow. And flow, she defines as that immersive, highly focused state where you both do your best work and feel most satisfied by your work. So if we are constantly responding to alerts and interruptions and these various distractions, we're never going to get into that state where we're just lost in, in meaningful work and accomplishing something really valuable and worthwhile. She also says, if part of your attention is always lured away by these distractions, your mind never gets the calm, restful time it needs to recharge. As a result, you get cranky, impatient, and scattered in, you know, little side note here, does that sound familiar to you? Because it certainly does to me. Uh, so anyway, as a result of this, uh, never getting this calm, restful time, she says you get cranky, impatient and scattered and your judgment, learning, creativity and problem solving suffer. This was a quote uh, that really got my attention as I was reading. Really, I paused there and thought about it. it. It resonated with me so much because I feel that way. I don't get a lot of t- calm, restful time. It's not going to come to you automatically. We have to make that happen for ourselves. And when we don't, all our thinking suffers. And since most of the most important things I do and the most important goals that I have require me to exercise good judgment, um, engage in effective learning, creating, uh, and problem solving, knowing that this constant distraction impairs all of those is really eye-opening to me. And I am more than ever motivated to figure out what to do about it because judgment, learning, creativity, and problem solving are key to everything I do.
Back to the topic of time management, she said in one point of the book, time management is less useful today than attention management. If you've ever felt frustrated because you never have enough time, can't increase your productivity, or aren't making enough progress on your important goals, this is probably why. How you manage your time is only relevant to the extent that you also devote your attention. I'm going to say that again, because I think that's one of the key things I got out of this book. It's not enough to use all those time management tools and hacks that we learn about. Uh, However useful they are, whether it's time blocking or calendaring time to do certain things or to-do lists and all those kind of things, those are valuable, but it's not enough to set aside time to, to say, do a certain task if you don't always also focus your attention on it. And that's the point of what she's saying here. How we manage our time is only relevant. It's only helpful. It's only going to increase our productivity to the extent that we also devote our attention. She talks a lot, a little bit in the book about unproductive workspaces and the effects on our productivity at work. So there's a section of the book that's kind of talking about productivity and work and and um, how it can be helped or hindered by the way our workspaces are set up. She talks about the harm caused by always being on and never really leaving work behind. And this is a big issue for a lot of us, certainly in the United States. And certainly in my profession, lawyers are notorious for always being available and always being working, even when they're not in the office. And that is dangerous. It is harmful to us. As she says in the book, even if your daily habits are solid, you're still at risk for exhaustion, burnout, and dampened creativity and motivation. If you never take your attention away from work for longer periods, like weekends and vacations, Uh, you know, I, I, I'm listening to what she's saying there, because that's an issue for me. She says to be healthy and to do your best work, you must devote attention to the rest of your life. And I think that's very important. We get so focused on our work and we want to, you know, we're always thinking about work because that's where our bread and butter comes from. And it's important to do a good job, but we can't do our best work if we never step away from it and pay attention to the other areas of our life, because doing that reminds us of why we're working. If we are so head down, just working, working, working all the time and neglecting every other area of our life and never stepping away from our workspace or from our work, we can lose sight of what we're working for and motivation will sink at that point. She encourages us to be proactive and intentional about managing our attention and talks about why it matters. So for instance, she, she encourages us to take specific actions to improve our attention management among things like, uh, she says, taking opportunities to rest your mind and inject moments of calm into your day. And as a result of even just that specific change, she says, you'll feel more creative and inspired and you'll generate more insights and solutions. And she does offer some very practical ideas for doing this. And I'll talk about that in a minute. One of the things that she talked about is kind of what attention is. And she quotes a 19th century psychologist named William James as saying, attention is the taking possession by the mind 
in clear and vivid form of one out of what seems several simultaneously possible objects or trains of thought. So note the keyword as one. She says you cannot give your attention simultaneously to all of the things that demand it. This is the whole concept of of multitasking that we've talked about before, that it's a myth. We can't do it. Our brains can only pay attention to one thing at a time. And so if we're trying to, uh, you know, trying to pay attention to more than one thing at a time, what our brain is doing is switching back and forth between them. And it's very inefficient, ineffective, and unproductive to do so. So attention is when one thing is what has grabbed our minds. And that's what we're looking at. Here's something that I loved so much in the book, I underlined it and started. She said, the ability to maintain control over your thoughts and actions, rather than inadvertently relinquishing it, is your defense against the damage our fast-paced, technology-rich, always-on environment does to our minds, bodies, and souls. It's essential for living the life you want to lead. And I would say it's essential to making a life that matters because that's, you know, those of us in this community, that's what we want to do. That's what we care about. So I want to say that I'm going to read this again, because I think this is so important and we're going to get into why it's important, how kind of break it down a little bit. So I'm quoting again from the book, the ability to maintain control over your thoughts and actions rather than inadvertently relinquishing it is your defense against the damage our fast-paced, technology-rich, always-on environment does to our minds, bodies, and souls. It's essential. That is, the ability to maintain control over your thoughts and actions is essential for living the life you want to lead. Well, why is that? Well, here's how she puts it. Your attention determines the experiences you have. And when looking back on your life, it's easy to see that the experiences you have determine the life you live. Therefore, you must control your attention to control your life. Since productivity is about directing your activities to the things that are important to you, attention management is the logical path to get you there. This totally makes sense. This concept of your intention determines the experiences you have. It explains why two people can be in the same place with the same events happening, yet have completely different experiences of it. Because what we pay attention to is the primary determiner of how we experience our life. Okay. What we are paying attention to in any given situation there are lots of things you could pay attention to that you could choose, you know, pick and choose from to, to focus your attention. And that choice will determine what that experience is for you. We talked about this a little bit last week in the gratitude episode in talking about gratitude that, you know, multiple people can be in the same situation. One is going to experience it a completely negative event. Another one is going to find something positive out of it. And the only difference is what those individuals choose to focus their attention on in that situation. I just think that is so important. And I hope that you will I hope I'm articulating well. I, I, yeah, I really do encourage you to read this book. There's some great stuff in it, but this is probably one of the key things for me. 
One of the concepts that she talked about that I hadn't seen put in quite this way before is what she has calls the four quadrants of attention management for productivity. And each of these quadrants is determined by the amount of attention you're, you're giving and the amount of control you have. So at any given time, according to this concept that she's got in the book, we might be either reactive and distracted. So, you know, if your phone's dinging and pinging with text messages and emails and alerts, while you're trying to work and you're looking at it and then you're being reactive, you're reacting to those distractions coming in and you're distracted from your work. So that's one quadrant, reactive and distracted. A second one is focused and mindful. So we're, and she talks about what that means. A third one is daydreaming. That's the third quadrant she talks about, which she says is is important to our mental well-being and our creativity. Um, she says in the, in talking about this daydreaming quadrant, your brain needs restorative time to reflect, process, and consolidate information. We need those times when our minds can wander because often those are the times when insights are generated. Now, the problem is that this time in this daydreaming quadrant is really hard to come by because there's so much noise going on around us all the time. And as she puts it, uh, our constant distraction has made us so used to constant stimulation that now in any pause of activity, we've become conditioned to pull out our phones for stimulation and distraction. Quiet moments feel boring and unproductive because it seems we aren't doing anything. Anybody besides me want to raise your hand there? I, this is an urge that I fight often unsuccessfully when I'm out and about or in any situation. It's quiet. There's nothing going on. The urge is to pull your phone out and, you know, go check Facebook or check your email or play, you know, do something, get some sort of stimulation. We don't allow ourselves that quiet uninterrupted time to just let our minds wander. I don't know if we're just afraid of what we're going to find there. We don't want to feel what we might feel if we really just let our minds go where they want to go, or if it's just a habit we've developed. But I think this, it's important to recognize that we need those, those date, that time in the daydreaming quadrant. And the fourth quadrant she talks about is what she calls flow. She says, when we are in a flow state at our jobs, we do our best, most creative work, and we feel more deeply satisfied with what we're doing. And in the book, she describes a little more what flow is. And she also says, and this is a quote from the book, today's distraction-filled workplaces are the enemy of flow. And then she says, flow is a brain state, not a behavior. So you can't enter a flow state at will, but you, what you can do is create an uh, ideal environment. And she has a lot of suggestions for how you create an environment to enter into this fourth quadrant of flow and all the great things that come as a result. And basically to create an ideal environment for you to get into flow is to eliminate distractions and engage focus. And she talks more in the book about practical ways to do that. One of the things I really like about this book is that in addition to all this background and some of the science and stuff, it's, and it's done in a very conversational way. So it's an easy to read, but every chapter ends with some suggested actions to take to implement the concepts that she discusses in that chapter. And I love that there are just some actual real practical 
actions that you can take. So for instance, in chapter three, at the end of it, she recommends some steps you can take to get started on your attention management journey. Things like turning off your smartphone and other connected devices at certain times of day, uh, using the airplane mode at other times. Um, so that would allow you to get certain work done on your device, but not be receiving messages and alerts from the outside that would distract your attention from what you're doing. And I, you know, some other great things like that. She has some really good suggestions for managing your environment, including other people who might interrupt you. And she talks about setting boundaries and then enforcing those boundaries. And I thought this was a really great follow-up to some of the things Helen Wright and I talked about in episode 269, the, the concept of setting boundaries and then actually enforcing those. She has some really good ideas in the book for mastering attention management, like ways to create pockets of quiet time to give our minds that time it needs to restore and just kind of wander. Uh, ways to practice mindfulness. Uh, she suggests spending time each week free from technology, go outside or, you know, interact with other people or go to an activity and leave your phone behind. Don't have it on you because just having it present is a distraction. And the science shows that she suggests taking regular breaks during your work day and making time for some type of movement each day. And then she encourages us to nurture ourselves. What she said in one point is to build the willpower you need to better manage your attention, practice self-nurturing behaviors like, like these, prioritize rest, fuel your body well, get outside and avoid multitasking. So those are just some of the things that she recommends. And like I said, each chapter ends with a, a few suggested activities or actions you can take to implement what she's talked about in that chapter. Like everything else, attention management requires first awareness and then intentionality. We become aware of the distractions that are grabbing our attention, and then we take intentional actions to address them. The whole idea here is to live on purpose instead of reactively. And um, there are lots of good reasons why we should do this, and she talks about them in the book. One of the things she said that I thought was so good is, if you allow all the incoming demands on your time to set your agenda, your most meaningful work will languish. And she, she said this, which I thought was so good. The most important resources supporting productivity aren't time and money, their body and mind. Self-care, she says, isn't a nice to have, it's essential. Any effort to be more productive that doesn't acknowledge the necessity of physical and emotional well-being is destined to fail. And you know, maybe this is going to be our mantra for the, for 2020 on, in the productive woman community, recognizing this. Uh, so I'm going to read it again, because let's, let's really internalize this y'all. Any effort to be more productive that doesn't acknowledge the necessity of physical and emotional well-being is destined to fail might not fail tomorrow, but it will fail if we don't take into account the fact that in order to be truly productive, both in the sense of getting the stuff done that you need and want to get done, and in the sense of the big picture sense of making a life that matters, in order to do that, we've got to take care of our bodies and our minds. They are the 
essential tools for productive living. Attention Management by Maura Thomas is a quick read. It's not a big book, but it's got lots of great ideas, lots of very actionable ideas. I do encourage you to read it and see if the approach that she describes will help you get better at focusing your attention on the things that matter most to you so you can get the results that you want in your life and live on purpose instead of reactively. So what do you think? Do you have any thoughts on Thomas's focus on attention management as being more key than time management to a meaningfully productive life? I'd love to hear if you've read the book or if you haven't, what your thoughts are about this. You can share your thoughts, your questions, your ideas in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 271. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page or in the Facebook community, uh, the group, if you're a member there. If you'd rather share your thoughts with me privately, I'd love to hear them. I'd love to interact with you. You can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I will get back to you just as quickly as I can. Before we go, just a a reminder of our sponsor, the University of California, Irvine's Division of Continuing Education. They provide learning pathways for those seeking career advancement or personal enrichment through a wide range of educational opportunities, including courses and certifications that are taught by industry practitioners. So people that know what they're talking about in a wide range of categories. Their 100% online courses offer convenience and flexibility and a truly immersive online classroom experience that even allows you to collaborate with your peers, which is a great learning tool. UCI Continuing Education can help you gain an edge in your career, make a career transition even, or just simply help you become more knowledgeable in an area you're interested in. Um, There's that flexibility and that convenience that can't can't be overemphasized. Open enrollment means you don't have to fill out an application. You just log in, sign up, and then decide, are you going to pay for a single course to kind of get your feet wet? Or do you want to enroll in an entire certificate program to help you advance in your career? You have control over your academic plan. It's entirely up to you. So as we're getting into the holidays here, it's very easy to focus on gift giving for your friends and family. But don't overlook the value of investing in yourself. If you have career goals and aspirations or just personal goals that involve uh, giving yourself the gift of education, now's the time to invest in yourself. Visit ce.uci.edu slash productive woman and enter the promo code TPW and they'll give you 15% off the tuition for one course. So that's ce.uci.edu slash productive woman and enter that promo code TPW for the 15% discount on one course. Winter registration is open right now, but the offer is only valid until 1159 p.m. on December 31st, 2019. So if you're listening to this in earlier in December when it comes out, don't wait if, uh, if this is something you think you want to pursue. Check it out. 
And remember to visit textexpander.com slash podcast to get 20% off your first year of Text Expander and see how it can help you save time for the more important things in your life. Thank you so much to Text Expander and the University of California, Irvine's Division of Continuing Education for supporting the Productive Woman podcast and productive women and, and guys everywhere. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I hope you found it worthwhile. I'm grateful to you for spending the time with me. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself. And go make your life matter. 